This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI Affinity Programs. Learn how you can take advantage of BSCAI negotiated special rates and member-only savings on services, including background checks, office supplies, sales support, human resource advisory, insurance services, equipment rental, and more. Visit bscai.org slash affinity partners. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from BSCAI. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, the official podcast of BSCAI. I am your host, Kate Jacobson. Joining me today is Philip Mack. He is the Canadian Senior Vice President of Be Clean Building Maintenance, and he has extensive experience in the Canadian BSC market and has a family history in the industry as well. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversi, and Karcher. Learn more about our partners and their category-leading solutions for contractors at bscai.org slash partners. Hi, Philip. How, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much Glad for joining us. Glad to be here. Um, so uh, you have been in the industry and around the industry for your entire life. Correct. Um, what do you think is one of the biggest things that you've seen change over time? We've seen a um, significant amount of, of consolidation mm -hmm. over the past um, probably 20 years, 20, 25 years in Canada. Although our country is the you know, second largest country in the world, uh, our populations are, are um, you know, nowhere close to some other markets, specifically the U.S., mm -hmm. but we've seen a lot of activity in, in our space where um, some family businesses has, have been able to you know, grow um, securely in, in our space mm -hmm. and also uh, grow through acquisitions and organic growth targets as well. It's, and we've seen a lot from BSEI's perspective of a lot of more Canadian members. The Canadian market's been really up and coming. Can you kind of talk about what makes it such a unique market? I know that you said a little bit about the family, um, but going into like what makes it so unique and, and what kind of ch unique challenges they face? So some of the, the challenges in, in Canada, um, because our population is scattered over a, a sort of such a large, uh, large area, uh, we have varying legislations as well in Canada. So we have uh, federal laws and provincial laws. And, um, and over the years, the federal governments have decentralized um, labor laws, specifically in different provinces. Mm. So in some provinces, you have to be able to speak French specifically in Quebec, yeah, correct? So you need to carry two sets of, of, of um, documentation and then validation of your processes. So that makes it quite unique in, in specifically in that market. Where the other markets in, in Canada are primarily English speaking right. uh, from that perspective. We've seen um, changes also from labor laws where 
minimum wage have been fluctuating over time and obviously driving an increase in, um, in labor costs significantly um, over the past couple of years. And Canada is very progressive with their, um, with their minimum wage laws, uh, much more so than I would say places of the, in the U.S. Um, in your experiences, have you found that because those labor laws are a little bit more progressive that it's been hard to expand in this industry or that it's been, uh, it's been on pace with what other businesses have been? It, it's, been it's been on pace. Um, typically, the point of entry in our industry is you know, low-skilled or you know, unskilled individuals mm -hmm. that um, you know, come into our workforce and be able to sort of progress their way through the business and be um, promoted into different levels of the organization as they, they sharpen their skills. And, you know, we have, um, you know, an obligation and to continue to invest in our people to develop their skill sets so we can have a, um, a succession plan, you know, within the group. Yeah. And that's been the success of a lot of typically family businesses, I would say, in Canada, more so than some of the larger publicly traded organizations. It's really interesting. And it's also interesting, um, like I know in the U.S., one of the big concerns right now for a lot of the BSCs is that, you know, it's, unemployment's really low. So you can't get those entry-level people like you used to be able to. Is that is that a problem plaguing Canada as well? It, it is. As, as minimum wage has been driven up, right? Um, and other costs have also followed, um, individuals find themselves with other opportunities to be able to better themselves uh, and then their situations and also their family situation. Mm -hmm. So the gap is created, so it's much more difficult to be able to, to backfill and to retain uh, people in, in our field in some of the lesser skilled positions that are, that are key uh, from that perspective. So unemployment continues to, to be low. Mm -hmm. um, construction the, the economy is quite robust. Uh, we have, um, like most other countries, some major hubs. Right. Some are doing better than others, um, but there's a, um, there's a continued growth pattern from investment in infrastructure. We're, we're building better roads, we're building better transportation, we're building different types of, of um, campuses, mm -hmm. right, or office complexes, et cetera, for, uh, for the workforce. And that is where, uh, as an organization, you need to be able to stay upfront from that perspective and be creative of how you want to attract um, the younger uh, workforce into the business. Right. I was going to say, a, a problem I'm sure is plaguing you guys as well is that there's a lot of organizations that are family run, you know, they're passed down to the son or the cousin or whoever. Um, but as we are kind of growing, we see that that's not always the case now. These family businesses aren't always being inherited and they're trying to hire new managers, young managers, millennials, um, now coming up, Gen Z's coming up. Uh, how have you guys addressed that? How are, how are you guys seeing that reflect in your own business? Is are you guys attracting millennials? Is that a problem? It's it's still a challenge and a problem, you know, within within our our, our organization. And also, if you look at our peers in the industry, are sort of facing similar similar challenges. Um, we have an aging workforce, mm -hmm. and they have related, obviously, health issues. And then we have a gap with you know relatively unskilled labor forces. And how do we bring those individuals through through the business has been a great area of focus, um, and building you know a great culture. Right. From, from that environment. And, and being in a family business environment, um, it helps us, I believe, develop a culture of trust right. with individuals, right? Um, because 
families have a vested interest in the business and have a vested interest in the people and also a vested interest in, in the customers. Mm -hmm. And being able to clearly articulate that when you're recruiting uh, people is a key part of it. And yeah. you're seeing more and more of those types of events that are um, employee-centric, employee-focused and programs, and you're seeing different departments within organizations grow to, f to ensure that we're properly resourcing um, the needs of the business as, as we evolve. Uh, technology is, is bringing a lot of data um, into, into the business and um, you know, forcing us to make decisions more quickly, mm -hmm. um, to be more nimble, to be able to do that as well. That's really interesting. Um, I, you kind of mentioned culture a little bit, um, making the family atmosphere, how does that translate into something where you don't, where you're not a family, you know? Although, you know, you could say that, you know, business is like a family. What do you find in your leadership style that you try to in, give to other, to, to your employees, to people around you that makes you, that makes it clear what your intrinsic values are, that, you know, how do you lead? So I think the, the listening part of leadership is, is key, and you can only listen if you're a visible leader. Mm -hmm. So effectively, I think those are the, the key traits from, from that perspective. Um, and being able to have you know, town hall sessions with different groups so you can articulate um, your vision and ensure that we have alignment on, on that journey, but also collect important information from the individuals that are key to our success. Mm -hmm. um, people at different levels, from frontline associates to people that are working you know, in the offices. And also, we have to take in, into consideration our, our partners. So right. we have vendors that help us on, the, on that journey as well. So it's articulating that message clearly to the individuals and be able to take it back, right? I think that's a key part of, of the business. So essentially, as you're building your value, you're spending often more time you know, on the ground right. with the people so that you can sort of take a, a step back and then build uh, a strategy and, and also then bring in people that have the right uh, strengths to be able to deliver that to, to the business. I mean, the team is so important and we, yeah. and we know that through just, I mean, janitorial work in of itself is a team effort, right? Yeah. So uh, it's refreshing to hear a leader say like, we have to be that team, we have to be right. part of each other and we also have to build leaders to be, like to the, to the next generation of leaders, we have to build them up to make them understand how important that is. And, and building, you know, mentorship programs um, are, are key where you have sort of, not peer to peer, but essentially individuals that are key to the business, working with new um, associates coming into the organization so they have an ability to spend time with individuals that they don't necessarily see on a day-to-day -day basis where they have an ability to exchange ideas and help them navigate through that uh, through that process. And I know that you kind of mentioned earlier that this is an industry that really you can start from the bottom and get right to the top. Um, why do you think that it's especially important in scenarios like that where you maybe have someone who started out as the janitor who then becomes you know the senior vice president. <laughs> well, they've 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 um, over time they've built a skill set that is um, that is remarkable in in dealing with the realities of either working in an environment on your own mm -hmm. or now working in a larger environment where you're working with different teams in the organization and how do you step through you know that um, you know that that process is for me is 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 the key um, and it's developing that journey for them. So how do they get from the point A to the point B, you know, all the way through, and um, we've 
we've built you know very interesting recruiting tact tactics and campaigns to to bring young individuals into into the business and provide the right support and leadership for them. Talk about some of those campaigns. I I I've seen some but I would like to hear in your own perspective about how you, how you guys bring people in. I mean, it, it, a lot of it is, you know, we, we try to incent um, our existing associates to bring other family members or friends to the organization. Um, you know, we spend sometimes more time at work than we do at home, but when you do come home, if you can speak positively about your experience, then that becomes somewhat contagious where you can draw um, a, a larger population into the group. You know, building, um, internship programs, working with different communities, working with volunteer programs, working with universities and colleges, so that you're, um, you're raising your profile as an organization and also raising the profile of the industry, more importantly, right. to come and work in our, in our business and to demonstrate the ability of success in starting at a point and be able to work your way through, work your way through the group. Right? Do you think that's like a common misconception with a lot of younger people is that they think, oh, but I, like I know before I started working at BSCAI, I really didn't understand how janitorial companies really worked, how these building service contractors really, how they're these big, very successful, mm -hmm. important businesses. Uh, how do you get through those misconceptions with young people about how this is a big, bold industry that can really take them places in life? I mean, the, the interaction that you have, the people that you touch, if you're working in a specific sector, let's call, you know, if you're working in a healthcare sector, right. what do you see every day when you come to work? Who do you interact with? You're interacting with people that are coming in for, um, for care, people that are working in a care establishment at different levels, professionals, et cetera. It's a unique opportunity to be able to see how that, that specific sector evolves over time. You're jumping into a manufacturing uh, environment. Um, how do you stay alive in that industry, in that sector, when everything is being brought in from outside, imported, right. or manufactured in, in foreign countries? How do you develop that, that, that consistency, that sort of capacity, the sticky relationships that we need to build within, with individuals? Um, and so we, we cater our programs or our recruiting strategies around the sectors that we're trying to operate in. Yeah. Right. So the skill sets are very specific. They're transferable, but sometimes have to be augmented because it's a more technical environment in which we have to work. That's really cool. That's really interesting. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit here, uh, you, your grandfather started a building service contract yeah. contracting company in 1938, correct? Correct. Um, so that means you and your you and your family, in some way, have been a part of this industry for almost a century. That's it. That's an incredible. Yeah. That's an incredible feat. How does it make you feel to know that something your grand a legacy that your grandfather started, and, and not necessarily directly, but that you've been able to carry that legacy and, and follow in his footsteps? How does that make you feel? It's it, you know it's a, it's a it's a privilege, um, but the way I was sort of exposed to the industry was in a very candid and very simple way. Um, if the phone rang at night at two o'clock in the morning and my dad had to leave, it's because there was a call for business. There was a need there mm -hmm. because um, there was a client need, there was a need from our associates because the situation had happened. So trying to understand when my dad did come back home after that event, asking questions about what happened and how did it, mm -hmm. how did it play through. Um, and those were the similar events that I had exposure to as, as a young child um, through my father and also through my grandfather. 
and, and working the business and seeing, you know, a, a an assemblage of very different communities and um, and different ethnic groups that are focused on on this industry was was quite remarkable. The work ethic was always there, the mm -hmm. discipline was always there, but I also had a um, an opportunity to decide if I wanted to be in that business right. or not be in that business, and that really that decision came back to me. I wasn't sort of forced or guided into it. It was something that I enjoyed uh, that I enjoyed doing because of the interaction with so many different people. Right. People within the business and industry, the vendor partners, the customers from varying degrees and understanding how we can build solutions, right? How you can customize programs to meet the needs of those customers yeah. over time. Um, and seeing the, the evolution of technology from what was being used 40 years ago to what is currently being used in our, in our business right now from, from many different facets. And how do you prioritize what is the right thing to do in your, or to introduce into your business, right? right. To maintain your competitive advantage, um, to focus on growth, to focus on cost containment with influences of labor costs, you know, being driven up, and uh, to get proper alignment with customers, and also to choose the customers that you want to work with or yeah. work for, and to be often more selective. It's a very diffi difficult question to ask yourself, yeah. <laughs> but a very important one, right. because you're not doing it just for yourself, you're also doing it for the people that you are leading through the organization because you're taking that group down the path or the vision that you've established. I always think like building service contractors, the word service is in that. You know, it's it's um, a privilege to serve. It's a privilege to help. Um, and every, all of you guys that I've met in the industry so far have been, that, that's been their big selling point. I think it's really interesting that you saw that lens through your dad and your grandfather, who are two natural mentors to you. Correct. Um, and then progressing through, you know, different events. Um, everyone has a different path, right. you know, through the business. Um, we ended up selling the business at some point in time because that was the right thing to do for the for the family. And then I I, I was able to work for publicly traded companies as well, and that brought a, a very different um, exposure to that reality in the business, right? And the level of support and the sophistication that's required to operate in that, in that mindset and to be part of that journey as well. So I've had a, uh, an interesting path through the different events um, beyond the family business environment. I've returned back to that, uh, to that environment uh, just over a year ago with, with BeClean, and it's quite refreshing to be able to sit um, with the ownership team and have candid strategic conversations um, and have access to those individuals, which sometimes is not always possible right. when you're working in a larger, more structured um, in, environment. Our clients want decisions uh, made relatively quickly. They want response times. We're focused on customer service. We establish criteria of response. We have to live by those values. Right. right. I think it's interesting, you know, like you said, you've, you had a very very interesting journey. What do you think when you were working more at those bigger publicly traded companies, what types of family business values did you, do you feel like you injected in there? That's a tough question. It's a good one. And I, um, I mean, I tried to always work to maintain that um, the associates or team, team members within that, that environment had a vested interest into the business. Mm -hmm. I think that was a, a, a very important part of it. Um, and the happiness that's generated from being able to accomplish that time and time again within the environment. Um, and it's a, it's a great sense of pride from that perspective. Um, setting the value so that everyone 
it's everyone's mission to accomplish that shared vision mm -hmm. within within the group, and that was um, uh, you know a key part of it. Um, we the focus was um, effectively you know in a family business it's sometimes more on how do you develop the next generation versus in a public traded company how do you focus on the next quarter what's more important right, right? and I, you know i would argue that it's kind of a it's a combination of yeah, both. both but it's it's the weighting of those priorities that might be different moving from either a public duty company into a family business environment or vice versa i think it's it's a very delicate balance um, uh, first keeping strategies very simple getting the teams to embrace them um, because we want to put our employees and our customers first and i think that was really the the gospel that we preached to 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 the organization through those changes right, right? Um, as we acquired or disposed of businesses as well and we brought new talent onto the organization and um, you know, in, in simple terms, how do you get everybody aligned with that new that new vision? Right. Communicate it clearly, and because when you acquire businesses, you're acquiring talent, but you're acquiring people that are coming into your business with sometimes some angst, right? Yeah, <laughs> that can versus, happen. Versus a hiring process, which is someone willingly coming to you, wanting to work for your business, going through an interview process, and joining the organization. So two very different spectrums from, from that perspective. How do you navigate that? Um, how, how do you put, how do you get somebody who maybe is coming in through an acquisition and say, here are our values and here is how we get on, like get on the train, you know, yeah. like, get on board. It's, it's, <laughs> in, in our industry, it's a, typically, it's a small, it's a small industry, right? Um, so at some point in time, an individual or a member of that individual's family have worked for different companies. So they typically get a sense of what that organization is all about. Mm -hmm. right? um, and I think you, it's a progressive step of integration and change management is a, is a key component. And being able to resource those activities is critical to success. Right. So you can measure and have temperature checks with different people and see how they're feeling, you know, feeling about the journey. You can't do that if you're um, focused on spending time in the office versus spending time in the field. Right. Because part of that as well is reassuring those customers because you acquire an organization, it comes with customers and it comes with people. And there's a trust that exists between the two. How do you maintain that? through the transition is, is very key and beyond and be able to grow the business from that perspective. Yeah. So there's, there, there are different strategies and some companies take a very, um, very strict and very straight approach and some organizations are more flexible and with those two approaches you have varying degrees of success, mm -hmm. right, from, from that perspective, right? Because it's so embedded in what we do is we provide a service and we provide labor, right? right? And, and that, that touches people, you know, in, in many in many different ways. It's really interesting. Um, what would you say is your biggest piece of advice for maybe uh, somebody coming up in this industry who's trying to be a better leader or, or be a better manager? Um, I think you know people people need to be engaged. And, and it happens through listening and respect and leadership. So I think those are the fundamental sort of pillars that I've always focused on. Um, if you're capable of bringing people on onto that onto that journey of of your business, um, when you're bringing people into your business, 
um, or you're looking to acquire a company, um, you want to look at some, some key qualities. And to me, it's part of integrity, ethics, the trust component, um, you know, passion to, de to deliver successful programs, and, um, and to, the ability to lead and inspire the, inspire the teams, right? Yeah. And um, to, to build on your strengths and to accept the fact that you may not be as capable or talented to accomplish other activities, and that's where you need to trust and reach out to other individuals that are able to help you on that journey. It's like being self-aware of your strengths it's, and weaknesses. It's, 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 a key, it's a key part, and then you align yourself with those individuals. You align yourself with you know, the same skill sets in some cases or different ones if it's required to, uh, to get through the journey. Um, and it's the same thing with customers, understanding what's, what is the dominant buying influences from a customer's perspective, and how do you align yourself with that, and how you bring back that information so that you can build a strategy around winning that client. Right. right, and securing that piece of business. How do you match those requirements with our internal capabilities and strengths? And if there, if there are some gaps, how do you build solutions around those gaps to be successful? That's great. So just breaking things down to me um, into some key components of the business, right? Some key pockets. So you've got your, your revenue opportunities, you've got your costs, You've got, you have your overheads and you have your profit. So making sure that people understand the language behind those key pillars right. and how one can influence the other and how you can leverage one to execute your strategy successfully in, in, into the business. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand, obviously, right, in, yeah. different, uh, in different markets. Um, be aware of your dependence with certain industries or certain clients. What does that look like? No different than you would trust your money in the hands of a wealth management organization, not to have all your eggs in one basket. Right. Right. Your sphere starts somewhere. You will have great success in that market, better than anybody else. But then, how do you develop a growth strategy that helps you diversify potentially your uh, your uh, your revenues and your services? Um, my last question for you is: um, You've been in the industry a long time. You've seen a lot of changes. But what do you think is on the horizon? What do you think is the next? thing that's really going to affect the industry? Well, there, there, are, um, there are events and headwinds or uh, opportunities that are impacting the business. I would say um, the labor challenges in Canada specifically continue to be important. Um, and the introduction of technology and the requirements and how, do you can, how you can try to mitigate the labor costs in the business through efficient use of technology. Um, not to take people out of the equation, but to allow people to grow within your business and to be able to ship costs in different buckets. And that is, I think that's a big part of, of what we're seeing in, uh, in the industry right now. That's great. Um, where can people find you? Are you on social media at all? Uh, not so, social. I'm on LinkedIn, <laughs> yes. Um, Facebook page, which is somewhat somewhat limited, <laughs> right? Um, I'm obviously rejoining the board um, in January, so yes, I'm excited about coming back to uh, to the organization and, and reconnecting with um, um, the various individuals. So it's a great, uh, it's a great. It's, there's been a lot of great success, which is nice to see because. Um, there's been huge growth in membership and the programs that are made available. Um, and it's a great story where you can help the industry move forward. Yes. Right? And connect with individuals that are starting with the business. So um, I'm happy to 
entertain and exchange with people if they feel that I can add some value to their uh, to their business. Well, we're definitely excited okay. to have you on Good. the board. And your website is b b e e dash clean dot com. Correct. So if you want to check you guys out there, that'd be great. And welcome to the BSCI board. We're happy to thank have you. you. Um, and thank you so much for Good. joining us thank today. You, Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contracting Conversations from BSCAI. If you liked what you heard and you want to find out more or to listen to previous episodes, head over to bscaiorg podcast. There you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss industry news, updates, and great tips. Subscribe to Contracting Conversations on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about our community on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.